Hebrews 11 and 1, famous scripture. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I want to spend a few moments today to encourage you to focus on your faith. Look at your neighbor and say, focus on your faith. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, bless this service. Open our hearts as pastor has already encouraged us to do. We're in the right place, God, for you to do something, to speak to us, to do a work in our lives. And God, we completely surrender our will to you and open our hearts and our ears to you. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to be here and the privilege and the honor to stand in this wonderful pulpit. I don't take it lightly uh, to be able to speak and minister to such a great church with a great reputation and such a wonderful community. Amen. We came from Ellick, so we just drove by and saw a functioning mall last night. We went to Olive Garden to eat, and we saw a mall that actually had some stores in it, and we felt like we had went to heaven. Uh, Alexandria's mall looks like, um, well, we'll just leave it at that, all right? Uh, I was thinking about here in Louisiana, I don't, we have been through some storms this year. Now, let me give you a little bit about me. Um, I'm 42, and just from personally, I've been through quite a few storms. I was uh, born and raised, my father pastored a church in, outside of Lafayette, Louisiana, which is called Bro Bridge. That's where I was born and raised, in Bro Bridge, Louisiana, for about 10 years. And then I spent uh, the majority of my life in New Orleans. That's where my father pastors in the metro city of New Orleans. My wife um, is an amazing cook, which if I come back, we'll, we'll talk about her recipes. I've got a, a sermon that deals with how great of a cook she is. But um, her family are from New Orleans. They, um, her dad owns a restaurant uh, for 40 years, I think, 45 years on the West Bank of New Orleans, and just local po'boys, shrimp, and fried food and roast beef and bread pudding and some of the best gumbo you'll ever get, muffaladas that are done right. All right, y'all ready to go eat lunch? Where are we going? Who's, got the, who's picking up the check? Um, I've been through quite a few storms as an individual. And, you know, I went through Katrina, which was interesting. It was the first storm in my life that I'd ever evacuated for was with Katrina. And we came back in the, the city it was quite amazing. We came back in early um, due to the fact that I was doing some work for hospitals, so they considered what I did a, a second-tier response, so we got in quickly. And um, it was interesting to just drive around out of our church building, and there were uh, military right across the street from where my dad pastored um, is Zephyr Stadium, which was the staging facility for all of the death in Katrina. They would uh, leap, move them into Zephyr Stadium and then get them out of the community. And to see people in full military garb, you know, uh, camo, M16s, military vehicles just all around you, just an interesting experience. I walked with some friends who their entire houses were gone. So you would walk in uh, to their house and all you saw was the slab and the plumbing, but the whole house was gone. Um, and it was quite interesting, quite an experience. I went through a, a storm in May the 8th of 98, I think it was. It was just a normal uh, rain. It was what they called a 100-year rain. And I'm not exaggerating. I lived in a very swampy community um, on the uh, west side of New Orleans. And in that storm, it was just a rainstorm that just popped out of nowhere May the 8th. 
the water rose so high and so quickly at night uh, that we had water up to my calf in our entire house. I was sleeping in water up to my calf. They had to come in a little boat, little Piro, pick up me and my family on the front, yard, front porch and take us to a higher ground. So we've been through quite a, quite a few storms. I, I moved to Alexandria anticipating that I would get away from hurricanes. And um, I've been through the tornado. I don't know, Chase, if you were there when that big tornado came through in Alexandria. And then now Laura and Delta. And my dad's over in New Orleans just smiling because they keep missing him. And I think maybe these storms are chasing me. Uh, maybe the Lord's trying, well, that would not be the Lord. But um, I've experienced quite a few. I've experienced some family storms in my life. Um, I've experienced some church storms, Pastor. I've experienced some storms I didn't see coming, and I've experienced some storms that I did see coming. I've experienced some storms that other people have caused that wrecked havoc in my life, and I've experienced some storms that I caused that wrecked havoc on my life. And in fact, I've experienced some storms that were just called the storms of life. The good, the bad, just, and the unjust. But if, if there's ever been a storm, it seems like 2020 has been the storm of storms. I mean, COVID-19, I was talking, we, we still, six months into this, we're still trying to figure out what is going on in our society. The sickness, the disease, the fear. I think one of the worst things about COVID-19 has been the overwhelming fear that has gripped the church, just gripped us. It's just fear, the, the economic issues, the closing down of jobs, and the fear of, of your finances. You know, to, to wear a mask or not to wear a mask seems to be the question, right? We, we don't know when to wear it, when we shouldn't wear it, what's appropriate. Um, and it's caused all this friction amongst us where we are we are so frustrated, and it's causing more division in our country. Just all of this is happening in 2020. An election that is coming up, unlike anything we've ever experienced, as me personally, and not, not, don't worry, I'm not getting on politics. I'm just saying the overwhelming sense of frustration and anger and, and, and people. It reminds me of in World War I, I'm a, I love history, in World War I, they had what's called trench warfare, which means they would just dig a trench, and then you would dig a trench, and we would bury ourselves in our little trenches and fight each other and, and never move an inch, Harley. And it was just this static war, and it seems like where we are politically, everybody just kind of has dug in and said, we're not moving, and we're just going to lob things at the other person. It's just I've never experienced so much frustration and hate and anger at 42 that I see and around me when I just get on Twitter or get on the news or walk into our stores. There's all the racial injustice and unrest that we're experiencing in our society. There is just so much storms, just things that we're trying to grapple with as people and trying to understand what is the proper place and where do we move and how do we go and how do we navigate this storm that is just everywhere. This is just one year. Yes, we need a party on December 31st that hopefully things will begin to get better and we can begin to navigate this the way God intends us to navigate this. 
There's so much hate in our culture, just in general, hate, and it's on both sides of the aisles that you argue, it's everywhere. There's so much cancel culture. When someone struggles, we cancel them out, we move them out of the way, they're no longer accepted. Instead of having the, the spirit of Christ, which is to love and, and to encourage, the Bible says when your brother falls, you are there to restore and pick him up and but we're letting this stuff seep into the church. It's starting to seep in, these storms that are banging against our lives and our society and our mind. And all of a sudden we find this anger and frustration and fear and hatred and worry. Those things are beginning to seep itself between these walls that are supposed to be protected. Uh, we're not of the world. I heard Brother Scott Graham preach that when you walk into the house of God, this should be the example of what the world should be on the outside. Regardless of your political party, regardless of your race, regardless of your social economic standing, regardless of your age, this is supposed to be the place that when you walk in, the world sees what we're supposed to be like. As I was thinking about this and compiling this list, I was getting really depressed about 2020 and just all that's going on. God began to deal with me, and he said this, the reality is that though 2020 seems to be unique, it's really not new. Jesus clearly stated to us that in this world, you will have tribulations. Jesus let us know throughout Scripture that storms are coming, storms have come, and storms will always come. In our text in Hebrews 11, it's filled with the faith declarations and the faith heroes that we love to read about. We read our text. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Later on in Hebrews 11, we see faith without it is impossible to please God. Later on in Hebrews 11, we see this. By faith, we start getting this list. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch and Noah and Abraham, and Sarah, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and Moses. The walls of Jericho fell by faith. Rahab and her family was saved by faith. Gideon conquered. Samson won. David won. Samuel won. The prophets all by faith. 33 says, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. They received what God had promised them. They shut the mouth of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put the whole armies to flight. Now, we get excited about that. By faith, they did all these amazing things. We shout about it. We clap about it. We get excited. By faith, they did this. But what about verse 35, the next one? Women receive their loved ones back again from death. That's good. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing Skins of sheep, they had to wear masks, and goats, and destitute, and oppressed, and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. That's the rest 
of Hebrews chapter 11. That's not just Abraham and Enoch and Abel, but that's the rest of them. Because I've come to tell you, and I just, we'll get positive in a second, but let me just be very transparent. Life is hard. Those people in Hebrews 11, they face their own version of 2020. Tribulation, pain, loss, hurt, frustration, fear, worry. But I want you to look at verse 39 if they can put that up on the screen. But the Bible says in all that they held on to one thing. Look at verse 39. All these people, the Abrahams, the Enochs, the Gideons, the Davids, the ones that conquered great things, and those that were torn apart, and those that were tortured, and those that were hurt, and those that dealt with frustration and fear, all of them earned a good report, a reputation, because, everybody say, of their faith. All of these people held on to their faith. And I've come to tell this church, your faith will see you through any storm. You may look to the right, you may look to the left, and you don't see anything working in the natural. You may look in the front, you may look behind you, and it's quiet, and it, you feel all alone. And you feel like you're struggling, and you're dealing with worry and frustration, and the chaos of our world, and storm after storm, and Laura, and Delta, and COVID, and injustice, and all the hurt, and all the hurt. But it's when we focus on our faith that we are reminded that in the storm, that in the chaos, God is still there. I had my friend text me yesterday. We all went through Delta in, in uh, Alexandria. And I had just, I went through Laura and lost my fence. And I just had to pay 5000 to put a new fence. And I was praying and fasting, Lord, don't let this fence go down. Lord, help me. And it was fine. But we were all riding through it. And, and you know, and, and we didn't know what was going to happen. A friend of mine texted me. Uh, yesterday morning, how'd y'all do with the storm? I said, we did good. I said, how'd you do? He said, we did good too. He said, but if you ask my wife, we barely survived. It was so bad. Because church, can I tell you, it's all about your perspective. The Bible says that when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that he is with you. So church, you can focus on the path, which is the valley of the shadow of death, or you can focus on the person that he is with you. When David was facing a giant of overwhelming circumstances in the natural mind, you can focus on those circumstances, or you can focus on the one who's aiming the stone who's going to bring you revival and deliverance. It's all about your perspective. In Acts chapter 27, we read the story of Paul. He went through his own delta, Laura. Katrina, his own storm. And he was placed in one of the storms of his life. The Bible says, in, as you read the story in Acts 27, that chaos was all around him. Hurricane winds, unlike any that they had ever seen. They were full of fear and frustration. It was all around those people. They were dealing with their own, like I said, deltas and Katrinas and Lauras. Bible says they're tossing, chase everything overboard. They're just trying to figure out. They're grappling with their situation. They don't know how to fix it. Because you know we are fixers, especially us guys. 
We want to fix things. And they're trying to fix it, so they're tossing this and tossing that, and nothing's getting better. And they're looking unto their own understanding to get out of their storm, and they're trying to focus on what's around them. And they're thinking, well, if we get rid of this, or if I, if I stop doing this, or if I don't do this anymore, if I fix this, and they're trying to grapple with what's going on. They are completely focused on their circumstance. And in the middle of their circumstance, Paul stands up in Acts 27. He said this, I urge you, keep your courage. Look at your neighbor and say, keep your courage. He said, because not one of you will be lost, but only the ship will be destroyed. He said, last night, an angel of God to whom I belong. I don't know about you, church, but I know who I belong to. And I know there's a lot of chaos going around me, and I know everybody else may be trying to figure it out on their own and trying to figure out this and do this, but I belong to Jesus Christ, and I know things may not work out like I want them to work out, but I know that all things are going to work for my good, so I'm going to keep trusting God, and I'm going to keep believing God. And Paul said, keep up your courage, because I had an angel come to me. And that angel said, do not be afraid, Paul. You've got purpose. And I've got a plan for you. Paul said so in verse 25. So keep your courage, men. For I have faith in God. Look at your neighbor and say, I have faith in God. He basically says, look, guys, it's going to be okay. We've never been through anything like this, but we're going to make it through this storm. We might hurt a little bit. The ship may be hurt. Things may not happen like I want to happen, but you have been focusing long enough on this storm. Let's get our focus on our faith. Let's get our focus on him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He said simply, I've got a word from God to keep your courage up because I have faith in God. In the storm. Whatever that may be for you, we can focus on the storm or we can focus on the word. That's our decision. Church, let me tell you, 2020 has been anything but clear. I think whenever, I don't, y'all may have done this and I apologize, but my dad did, so that's why I can mock it a little bit because it's my father. But in 2020, his, his theme was clear vision. I called him the other day and said, that's not really working out for you, is it? I said, it's been anything but clear. <laughs> but church, I just want to tell you, this is what God told me to tell you, to keep your courage up. When there seems to be no way, just remind yourself that he is the way maker. And you start looking at your storm and your circumstance, your family, your problem, your situation, and you can say, I have faith in God that he is going to do what he said he's going to do. He's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. He's got all power. He can part the Red Sea. He can heal. He can deliver. He can turn it around. He can fix what you're going through. He's still God. I know everybody else says we're in the worst time in life, but let me tell you, he's still God. He's still able. He's still willing. He's still got all power. He's not up in heaven concerned or confused about what 2020 has brought you. He's still God. And my response to that is I've still got faith in God. <laughs> Look, if I had time, and I don't. I have time, but you would have to sit there and listen. 
We've all faced obstacles. I've got stories to tell. If I began to unload what things I could say, you'd be falling on the floor, just like I'm sure you would come up here and you could unload things that have happened to you that everybody would just be blown away. We've all faced obstacles. We've all faced trials. I know life will throw curveballs. And in the major leagues, some people never can learn to hit a curveball. But life throws a lot of them. And I know that happens, and we'll strike out, and we'll mess up, and we'll fail, and we won't have the faith that we need to have, and we'll have doubt, and we'll ask God why, right? There's no sin in asking God why. Why, God? Why is this happening? But what you have to determine in your heart is that you will get up regardless of what's going on around you. I always said the difference between a sinner and a saint is a saint just got up. He just never stays down, just keeps getting back up. Because the Bible says that you are more than a conqueror. That's what the Bible says about you. You are an overcomer. So I've come to encourage you today to get your eyes up and get your eyes focused on your faith, because it is with the eyes of faith that we operate. And as Paul told the men on the boat, he said, keep your courage, men, for I have faith in God. Church, I have a purpose, and this storm 2020 will not derail me from my destiny. I have a purpose from God, and I will not be derailed with this storm, because I will place my focus on my, everybody say faith. I'm coming to it quickly. Just, I want, I'm a very practical person, not, not the sharpest tool in the shed, and um, I, I like to, I, I need practical things. A lot of times, preachers, I'm, I'm notorious for it. We preach faith, and we preach theory, and then we're trying to get you to be practical about that when you leave this building. So I want to give you real quickly some simple tools to help you focus on your faith. I've tried to encourage you that it's important. And it'll be an acronym for the word faith, so you'll always remember it, hopefully. At least that's how it works for me. F, everybody say F. Focus on the positive. Everything in life, church, has pluses and minuses. Every relationship, I don't care what's on Instagram and the filters and the Facebook filters and, you know, we'll put a picture of our family on Easter and we're all dressed in our nice suits and ties and we take a snapshot and we took that picture and we put a filter on it and we look perfect, right? You didn't see the 600 pictures we took and the fact that I was threatening Jude and Audrey that if you don't smile, you're both getting a whipping. (laughs) You're punished from your iPad for six months if you don't look happy. And then all of a sudden, snap. And then you look at it, and you're like, man, my kids would never take a picture like that. And then you start feeling like something's wrong with your family, your marriage, your children. So you got to focus on the positive. Pastor, I pastored for nine years. It blows my mind. It's a small explosion, but it blew my mind. I w- <laughs> Y'all get that later. 
Um, I would have someone come to me and say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. Okay. I'd say, well, look, come it's Monday night about 7 o'clock. Okay. Later on in the service, hey, Pastor, another person, I need to talk to you. Okay, we'll come about 7.30. Okay. Monday come rolling around, 7 o'clock, they come in my door, they sit down, Pastor, I got to tell you, this is the worst church I've ever been a part of. Nobody likes me, everybody's mean, the music's too loud, you know, so-and-so looked at me wrong, and, and I'm just not getting fed, I don't feel like the power of God's moving, my family's, I, I just need to do something for my family, because we're just miserable. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Let's pray that God will make a way. 7.30, that person leaves, 7.30, the other person walks in, hey, Pastor, we just moved in here. It's the greatest place we've ever been. The power of God is so strong. We're just feasting on the word, and it's the greatest church in the world. You know what? It's because what you focus on is what you see. Now, my opinion, you go to one of the greatest churches in the world, so you might as well start focusing on that. Focus on the positive. And I got to move quickly. I read a story. There was a guy on an island for like 40 years. And he'd been sending up smoke signals to be rescued. Finally, some, a boat saw him. They came to rescue him. They get there, and he, he, the captain gets off. They're loading him up. They, sir, you got everything you need? You got, yes, sir, I got it all. And the captain said, are you the only person on this island? He said, Captain, I've been here 40 years. I haven't seen a single person. And the captain was a little confused, kind of scratched his head. He said, well, I do have a little question, a little confused. He said, I see three huts over there. So why, if you're the only person, why are there three houses? Like, why are there three huts? And he said, oh, 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 Captain, that's easy. Let me explain to you. He said, one of the huts is my house. Okay, that makes sense. He said, the other hut is my church. Okay. What about the third hut? He's like, oh, that's the church I used to go to. Come on, why not exercise your faith by focusing on the positive? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For I know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. I go to the best church. I've got the best pastor. I've got the best wife. I've got the best husband. My kids are going to be great. My life, my job's going to be better. God's going to give me. I'm not trying to just say, you know, be easy and grace. I understand we've got to have commitments and walk the walk. But why not focus on the positive? A, I got to come to an end. A, affirm yourself. Everybody say, affirm yourself. Let me be very clear. What you are saying to yourself is much more important than what others are saying about you. Y'all get that? I've heard it all. <laughs> I've been called everything under the sun. So I take the Joel 3 approach, 3 and 10. said, let the weak say, I am strong. You need to talk it up amongst yourself. You need to encourage yourself within the Lord. Remind yourself this morning that I am a child of God and I am made in the image of God. Remind him I am forgiven. I am powerful. I am strong. Even when I feel weak, I am strong. I am valuable. God has a purpose. I can do all things. Three. Imagine, close your eyes, please. Imagine God doing something good for you. Mark 11, 24. Jesus said, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you will receive it. Believing is a reference to your imagination. Can you imagine God 
doing something for you. Come on, can you imagine your problem being solved right now? Can you imagine your lost son or daughter coming back to God and finding their way to an altar of repentance? Can you imagine your marriage becoming whole? Can you imagine your body not hurting, not being sick? Can you imagine your job being better? Can you imagine God doing something good for you? Because faith is seeing something as though it is, even though it's not. You've got to be persuaded, church, that he is able to do what he said he can do and start imagining him doing something for you. And T, we're almost done. Trust God in everything. This is how you focus on your faith. You focus on the positive. You affirm yourself. You just spend some time as you're driving in your car imagining God doing something good for you. And then you trust Him. Trusting God is about having confidence in the outcome and not consumed with being delivered from the process. I'm in a process, but I know the outcome will be that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. Faith doesn't make problems go away. It just keeps them in proper perspective. You get a flat tire going to work. You come out your house. There's a flat tire in the car. And you start grumping. And you get mad. And you throw a hissy fit. And you, you know, you, why, God? You stand there and screaming. Faith is saying, you know what? Faith does not say, oh, Pastor, you got any of that anointing oil? Where would we put that? And you go outside and you lay hands on the flat tire. And you say, in the name of Jesus Christ, let this tire be full of air. And then get in your car and drive off. And you get to work and you go to the store, the place of tire fixer place, whatever. You can tell I'm really good with cars. And and the wheels all messed up and they're like, what well, would have been a hundred dollar tire, but now it's five hundred dollars for the act, everything, the whole car is messed up, and you're like, but God, you didn't come through. I'm backsliding. That's not that's that's there's a word for that, and I can't say it in church. It's just ignorant. Right? Yeah, well that he said it. Okay, pastor said it. It's not about ignoring the flat tire and being like, I've got faith God's going to heal this place. No, that's, that's not wisdom. But what it is saying is, God, I'm going to call the tow truck, and while I wait for them to come fix my tire or whatever I need, I'm going to dance and shout that though I may be late to work, maybe you kept me from an accident. Maybe you're working. I don't know how you're doing it, but I just trust you, God, that this flat tire has a purpose in it. And I'm going to walk in my purpose and trust you, God, that it's all going to work out for my good. I don't know why. It may be inconvenient. And I know 2020 has been inconvenient for many of us, but we're just going to trust God that no matter why or when or where, God's going to work it out and it's going to come out better. I'm going to come out like pure gold and the fire is going to refine my faith. So God, while I'm getting my flat tire, I'm just going to dance and trust you in advance that you're going to make a way. As we all stand, I'm done. And H, H, are you going to sing? 
Hallelujah. She sings better than I preach. <laughs> Look, I did it again. There was no water in it. So, Last time I was preaching here, I stepped on the edge of this pulpit and it rocked on me and spilled water all over my shoes. I thought, I'm never coming back to this church again. You know? <laughs> Man, where's my faith? I got to focus on the positive. I just, Lord, my shoes needed cleaning, right? <laughs> and H, hope for the best. Hope. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the implied meaning of the word hope is the expectation of good. I hope. It's not wishful thinking. It's the expectation that God is who he says he is. You get the difference. Hoping is not, man, I hope today. I don't, you know, it's not wishful thinking. You know, I hope I win the lottery. You know, it, it is, it's hoping and an expectation of good. He is good. So today I wake up and I'm having hope that something is going to break in my situation. So I've come to tell you today, if your disappointments in life have resulted in a low expectation, despair, and doubt. I want to encourage you. Stand up to that voice that throws water on every spark of fire when you come in the house of God and that flame begins to burn and you feel the Holy Ghost begin to rise and your faith be, and all of a sudden that voice says, well, it'll never change. You throw water on that and say, in the name of Jesus, I am hoping and expecting God to do something good. And I close with this and I want us to we're going to pray you ever been in a in a plane in the middle of a storm anybody ever been in on, on an airplane when it got stuck okay y'all have to know number one I am not the bravest I'm not the sharpest tool in the shit I do have some good qualities I don't want y'all to act like I have none but I'm not, I'm not also I'm not the bravest person in the world my wife goes away for the for some reason and I sleep with you know every light in the house is turned on <laughs> You know, like she's going to stop them, you know, when they rob me or something. But um, that, that comes from my father. I was flying with my father in, uh, from St. Louis. We had a meeting in St. Louis, and I was flying back. And we got in one of those storms, Brother Chance. That it, I mean, that, that plane was dropping, coming back up and dropping. And, and I'm holding on to that, those, those armrests so much. I'm already fair-skinned. I mean, I was like red. <laughs> the blood was all on the top. And I'm just holding on, and I'm praying, and I'm sweating. And I, I thought I was about to go to see Jesus, hopefully, you know. Cups were spilling. You know, the overhead compartments were bursting. People were screaming all around me. I've been in some plane troubles, too. I read a story, though. And this guy was in a, a plane similar, and, and, the, and the things were happening. And the, the plane was rocking and falling, and, and people were screaming. And, and it was an unusual amount of turbulence, and, and everybody was scared. Everybody was. And this one lady looked over, and there's this little boy, like probably, you know, how old? How old is your son? 11, maybe 11, 10, just young boy. He's just sitting in that, in that chair. And he's not, he's, he's uh, reading a book. Everybody's screaming. Everybody's afraid. Everybody has fear. Every, things are falling out. The overhead compartments are popped open. And he's just sitting there. And this lady kept looking at him. 
and she was just, you know, as she's screaming, she, she, had to, she had to stop for a moment. She said, son, she said, why are you not afraid? Like, are you, why are you not scared? And he was reading, and he looked up from his little book, Pastor, and she, she's like, are you scared? He looked up, and he said, not a bit. And she was kind of, I mean, the plane is rocking, and, and the lady stopped for a moment, and she said, why not? And the little boy just looked at her and he said, because my dad's the pilot. And he went back to reading his book. I've come to tell you, your life may be being thrown all about. And to everybody else, it may seem like things are about to fall apart. But I've come to remind you who the pilot is of your life. And his name is Jesus Christ. And if he tells you to get in the boat and go to the other side, I don't care what storm comes, you're going to the other side. And Paul said, I've got a word from the Lord. I've got to go make, and I have a purpose. And because my dad's the pilot, I'm going to be okay. So I want us to close our eyes, bow our heads. I just want to encourage you as they get ready to sing. I don't know, again, Pastor, can do whatever you want and how you want to end it, but I want to close it today by praying over you. Your dad's the pilot. Your father is on board. Though you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he is walking with you. Though you are in the storm of your life, he's in the boat with you. Though your marriage may be struggling, your kids may be struggling, your finances may be struggling, maybe it's your thoughts your mental thoughts of depression and worry and fear and doubt. All of those things because of the year that we are in or because of the circumstances that are around you or because of your history and your family and because of your past. But I've come to tell you, God is your pilot. And he's holding it all together. I want to pray right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for this wonderful group of people that have gotten dressed, shown up in the house of God in the middle of their chaos, in the middle of their worries and and struggles and stress. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, not my will, but thy will be done. That when everybody else around them is consumed with the chaos, they're focusing on their faith they're focusing on the positive God you're going to make a way they are affirming themselves when maybe their own family doesn't affirm them they're encouraging they're saying I'm weak but I'm strong God they're imagining right now that you're going to do something good for them you're going to make a way where there is no way they're trusting you God they're trusting you God that though this storm is real And though the chaos is real, they trust you, God. They believe you, that your word is still settled forever. And that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But when it's all shaken, that you will be left. And I will be holding on to the hands of Jesus. And they're hoping. They have an expectation of something good happening in their lives. And God, no matter what goes on around them, I pray they will feel the hands of God and be reminded that God is still flying the ship. That my Father is still able, 
still willing and still ready. And I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you will touch their lives and they will focus on their faith. Church, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I honestly have no idea what tomorrow holds. With the way this year has been, it wouldn't surprise me if seven hurricanes popped up in the Gulf last night. It just, I wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me the way this year has been. I have no idea what tomorrow holds. But I've come to remind you of who holds tomorrow.